2: Too often, we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease, but these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra.
0: Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration Holistic Radio. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host and publisher of Regenerate Magazine. Thank you for joining us, whether it's live or on demand. We love you, our listeners, and want to support you and everyone who embrace the notion that although you may be members by birth of the baby boom generation or Gen X or Gen Y, that you can choose to be members of Generation Regeneration or Gen R by the daily choices you make to regenerate your body, mind, spirit, lifestyle, and career. And today we're going to talk about choices to make regarding breast health. Our guest is Dr. Michelle Louisell, a board certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, functional medicine practitioner, and owner of the Center of Integrated Medicine located in the Lakewood Ranch, Bradenton area in Florida. Dr. Michelle has offered art, art, articles on health and provides educational seminars and workshops around the community. She specializes in women's health, hormone imbalance, digestive dysfunction, weight loss pain, and thermography for prevention and early detection. Dr. Michelle offers her patients true health care in a comfortable and adaptive environment where they are in control of how their body heals. Her goal is to instill balance where there is imbalance, a return to healthy function where there is dysfunction, and health where there is sickness, and most importantly, to teach patients how to maintain their recovered health over their lifetime. Welcome to the show, Dr. Michelle. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome, and I'd like to start by discussing the type of medicine that you practice that's referred to as integrative or functional. Can you describe the philosophical difference between that and the conventional allopathic approach, which really relies on treatment of symptoms? Yeah, go ahead.
3: Absolutely. So for me, integrated and uh, functional medicine, all that kind of is underneath that umbrella is really speaking more to getting to the root cause of why patients are suffering these days, where allopathic medicine is all about the Band-Aid approach, you know, a pill for an ill, uh, cover up the symptom, and then time goes by and eventually you need to take another pill for another symptom that arises, whereas functional medicine is not worried about covering up the symptom. We just want to find out, why do you have the symptom? Let's get to the root cause. That's right. And by
0: doing that, you're working with the rest of the body because uh, a great concern with the allopathic approach, especially with regards to pharmaceuticals, is that those can be some pretty serious chemical interventions, which will affect one thing and then have a cascading effect down the line, which many of which are pretty bad side effects. So, Philosophically, you're getting to the root cause and also working with the body. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, now practically speaking, how do you practice differently as a functional medical practitioner? For example, how long do you spend with your patients?
3: Uh, well, for me, um, in my exam itself is a two hour appointment. And most of that is, um, you know, just talking and going over. Um, the patient's history. And this can go back to childhood, you know, things that have happened to them along the way that have, um, you know, kind of charted the course of their health. And people don't often realize that the things that they experienced many years ago, even as a child, could have an effect on their present course of health.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes, I had a functional MD on Uh, several months back, and he talked about his intake form, that not only does he go back to childhood, he also asks about how you were born. Was it a natural birth or a cesarean section? Because that also is important.
3: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely yeah 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 so i't i i do not require my patients to uh, print out my intake because I always tell them if if I did, you probably wouldn't come into my office. So they do it <laughs> digitally and they send it back to me when I print it out, it can be anywhere from thirty five to fifty pages long so that's right
0: that's right, yeah so that's a really nice, comprehensive picture that allows you to delve into like you say what the root cause of the ailment could be, and not just a very quick five, 10 minute discussion, boom, here's a script, this'll take care of the symptom, Uh, see you later when when you have something else that needs to be dealt with, which is kind of how it goes with the conventional system. So now let's talk about breast health, which is a specialty of yours. I've read that upwards of 10% of American women will develop breast cancer at some point during their lives. And so preventative lifestyles, And early detection, if it should occur, are super important. So let's start talking about early detection by comparing two different techniques, mammograms and thermograms. Can you explain how
3: each of these works? Certainly. Um, Well, mammography, which is what most of the people are familiar with, um, you know, has been around since I think like the beginning of the 70s. And basically, through compression and through radiation, it's looking for structure. Um, And and every screening tool, no matter what it is, always has something that it's looking for. And they're all looking for something different. Thermography, uh, which does not emit any radiation, doesn't emit anything bad, is looking for temperature differentials in the body.
0: Okay, And so what does that temperature differential tell you? How does that indicate a problem?
3: So what we're looking for is uh, what we refer to as angioneogenesis, which is new blood flow that is being formed. Uh, What we know about cancer cells is that they uh, they need blood in order to replicate, and they often create their own blood sources in order to be able to develop. And so that increase in blood flow in an area is what increases the temperature at that site. And so that's what thermography is looking for. It's looking for those signatures in different areas of the body uh, of which we're talking about breasts right now, but it, it's looking for those signatures um, and then comparing them from side to side, because as a human being, we should be relatively symmetrical. Uh, so when we see differences, if they're over a certain level, then that becomes something that needs to be watched over time.
0: Oh, very interesting. So you said something there that thermography can be used for different parts of the body as well? Yes,
3: absolutely. We do full body scans.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. So mammograms use ionizing radiation to look at differences in structure. Yet we know that ionizing radiation causes cancer. So that's not the greatest... uh, source of, uh, a, a preventative test. Is that, is that true to say?
3: Uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I have never understood why we would ever search for cancer with something that causes cancer. Right. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a known fact that radiation causes cancer. Um, and we are, um, not only are we radiating women, but we're compounding it over year after year, after year, after year, and that radiation, if people aren't healthy, it just sits in the tissue. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily leave the body. And that's why it's problematic. Yes.
0: And I think uh, that in and of itself is problematic. But then when you consider all the different sources of everything that we take in oh, yeah. every day, the cumulative effect has got to be a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And you also mentioned that during a mammogram, the breast is compressed between two plates. I can't speak from experience because I've never had a mammogram, even though I'm 48 years old, Uh, not doing it. Um, So uh, can that compression also be problematic?
3: Oh, yeah. Because, you know, for instance, if there were to be a tumor, um, and most of the time the tumors are encapsulated, and, you know, not necessarily causing a problem to nearby tissue, but if that tumor is um, compressed and it ruptures, then you instantly have metastasized cancer. Um, you know, so it's, and you sign waivers to all of this stuff when you get a mammogram because there's no way for them to know. And if it happens, they just kind of go, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. It happens.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, that doesn't sound good. So, for a thermogram, how how is that test taken? Are you just standing there or sitting? And how how exactly is the test done? What happens?
3: Okay, so there's different ways, uh, or there's different types of um, mechanical outfits for therm- thermography. I am completely automated in my office, so my camera is attached to an automated stand, and I'm operating the camera from another computer that is separated uh, by a partition so that people are scanned in privacy. There are uh, field thermographers that actually have their cameras on top of tripods, and they're standing behind the camera while the individual is being imaged. Um, you know, I've done them both. I started with uh, manual operation, but I just felt that it was more dignified to give people, um, you know, the uh, separation and privacy for being imaged but yes they just sit in front of the camera or stand depending on what part of the body we're imaging and uh, nothing touches the breath or the body there's no compression there's no pain there's no radiation there's actually no negatives to having thermography
0: okay and so you don't feel anything then as no. you're being imaged no okay all right very interesting. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> that I would do. <laughs> I would do a thermogram. Um, but
3: yes, I've, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I've long had concerns about mammograms, and that's why uh, previously they, uh, the medical community was pushing them starting at age 40. So yes, that's is that still the case or has it moved up to fifty again? It's like a moving target. What what's what's yes. the official no, recommendation? It is
3: it it has moved up to fifty and actually the recommendations are fifty and once every three years. The problem is, is that the medical establishment is not following the new requirements or the new recommendations. And those uh-huh. new recommendations came out of the AMA and the Cancer Society recognizing that repeated ionized radiation was probably a part of the problem because I have done nothing but see cancer grow since I've been doing thermography, which is a little over four years now. And um, the number of cases that I find coming through my office based on numbers, I bet are upwards of 10%. Wow.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for that description of these two techniques. And we're going to continue talking about thermography on the other side of this break, but for now, let's get ready to go ahead and take that break. But before we go, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor for today's show. Cultured dairy is an important part of gut healing and immune health. Learn how to make your own yogurt, kefir, and cream fresh at home with Monica Corrado's new ebook on culturing dairy, part two of the series on cooking techniques for the gut and psychology syndrome diet. It's available at CelineRiverPress.com. That's S-E-L-E-N-E, riverpress.com. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Let's go ahead and take that break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle Louisell, board-certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, and functional medicine practitioner, and she's giving us great information about thermography. So stay close, and we'll see you in a jiffy with more interesting stuff.
1: life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn more.
4: Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on GenR Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion.
1: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to sandramalhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle Louiselle, board-certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, and functional medicine practitioner. And today, we're discussing breast health. And in the previous segment, Dr. Michelle explained the differences between mammograms and thermograms. And not a lot of flattering info about mammograms as, as she described, they use ionizing radiation to detect differences in cell structure. And we know that ionizing radiation is a cause of cancer and what probably drove the official recommendation of only getting a mammogram once every three years. And furthermore, the breast is compressed during the test, which can damage tissue and perhaps spread a cancer if it's already there. So given all of this that we just talked about, are mammograms very effective even at detecting early cancers? And if not, why not?
3: Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they are. But, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of um, misinformation given to women when they go in for mammograms or false positives. Uh, like they 're known for I think the the percentages mammograms have an eighty percent false positive rating, meaning that when a woman goes in to be scanned shes you know they 're going to see something because it 's set up to see something it 's set up to see structure and it could be just calcifications that it sees, and those are not harmful to a woman 's body they 're not normal but certainly you know they 're not they 're not cancer, so um, you know the woman is left when she leaves the office thinking that there's something wrong or when she gets the call back. And then she's told to come in for yet an, a second mammogram to re-image because they just weren't sure what they saw. And so now she's getting radiation again.
0: Again, And then they
3: usually send for a biopsy. And again, if it's just benign tissue, the biopsy is going to come back to normal. The woman's gone through all of this fright and worry, which is not good for her health. She's been radiated twice. She's had a, a biopsy and drawn, you know, possible bad cells out of something into the rest of her body. I mean, that is, that is a risk that you take with biopsy. Um, that's a lot of stress on a woman's body, all to find out that it was it was nothing. You know, you just have fibrocystic tissue or you have calcifications. Don't worry about it. And they give out those, those names like they're badges to be worn by women. Oh, don't worry about it. You have fibrocystic breasts, you know. You have lumpy breasts. Don't worry about it. And, and I see women like that all the time coming in and, and saying those things to me. And I'm trying to educate them that you should worry about it. That's not healthy tissue. Oh. You shouldn't have fibrocystic breath. You shouldn't have lumpy breath. That means there's something not working correctly. That means there's probably some toxicity issues that need to be cleaned up, circulatory issues, lymphatic systems not working the way that it should. So, uh, you know, I, I always, I feel like I'm trying to undo the un, um, the uneducation as I call it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what the mammogram is looking for then is just denser tissue, which from what you're saying, uh, could be due to a variety of factors, not just a cancer. Is that correct?
3: Well, it's looking for structure. That's what it's meant oh. to see. Just structure. Yeah. It's not looking for dense tissue per se. Oh. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's a good uh, representation, but it's looking okay. for structure. Okay. okay. Um, just because you have dense tissue doesn't mean it's going to see structure. Mm.
0: Okay. So it's just looking for um,
3: different shapes. That's what it's looking for? Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess uh, you might say that. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a mammographer and I'm not yeah. a radiologist. Um, I've seen mammograms compared to like other types of imaging, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, they're all looking for something you know, that's why they're called screening tools. So the the exception that I take is what, when women are told that they need to go have their yearly mammogram to find out if they have cancer. Well, mammograms don't tell you if you have cancer. There's no screening tool that tells you if you have cancer, because the only thing that can diagnose cancer is a biopsy.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So it's looking for structure. And like you said, Uh, there could be a variety of things going on with the breast that give it some structure. And let's focus on that point a little bit, because I think it was an important one that you raised, that the polycystic and um, the other other calcification, is that what you called it? Can you go into those a little bit? Like, what is going on there? Because it seems like the conventional establishment is kind of glossing over that, when what you're saying is that you should look into that further.
3: Yeah. For me, the root cause of all of that comes down to toxicity issues. Mm. Okay. So, you know, it, it's just gunked up and it needs to be cleaned out. And I know that's, that's really kind of like dumbing it down. Yeah. Um, but that's just really at the base of what it is. It's non-healthy tissue that needs to be cleaned up. Now, you know, maybe it has to do with, um not absorbing nutrients, maybe it has to do with not being well hydrated, you know, it could be a whole host of things coming together, but at the end of the day, you gotta clean it up. And there are a number of ways that that can occur. Uh, You know, rebounding is another great thing for breast tissue because it gets the lymph system moving and gets Mm -hmm. delivering those toxins and, and garbage out of the system. Hydration, making sure you're eating healthy, You know, so it's not just one little thing. It's a bunch of different things. But for me, it comes down to toxicity.
0: Okay. All right. So it's something important to address and not just gloss over uh, if you find out that that's the case with your breasts. Okay. So how about with thermograms? Are there many false positives with that? Or is it a bit more informative and reliable?
3: Uh, I don't know of any false positives, negatives with thermography. Um, it, it's just looking for temperature, temperature differentials. Now, you know, I want to be clear because I don't, I don't want people to be uh, walk away with, Oh, you know, that's the saving grace because there isn't, right. there isn't anything that's infallible in this world. And that Correct. pertains to everything in life. And that certainly pertains to screening tools that we use for health. So, it, it screens for what it screens for. It gives you information and then you have to take that information and do something with it because knowledge yes. is power, but it's only powerful if you want to act on it. Right. Um, you know, so uh, thermography will tell you if there are temperature differentials in your body from side to side, specifically looking at breast tissue. And if there's areas or vascular patterns that are seen by the doctors that are reading it, that they have seen in previous patterns that are developed around cancer, such as closed loops and hooks and things of that nature. There's a bunch of different things that they look for. Um, but it's just giving you information, right? In, in, order to, in order to discern what those cells are, you would have to have a biopsy. Everybody has to, in order to get that information. I'm not saying that you should have a biopsy, but that is the only way to determine whether tissue is benign or malignant.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah,
3: I I that was an excellent point to
0: make. And I think what we're saying here is the important thing about a screening method is that it should first do no harm. And Correct. right, and the concern with mammograms is there is the potential for harm just with that technique whereas with thermograms um that does not appear to be there. So that's no. that's the that's the one important point and your next important point is really good in that nothing is infallible um but it just seems like this technique will not do harm and will give more reliable information that you can then act upon
3: right I mean, for a first-line screening and for not doing any harm, I mean, you could really repeat a thermogram as many times throughout the year as you want to. Not that it would be financially doable, but it is certainly, you know, something that you could do and it wouldn't harm you. Um, I'm like with you. I would never have a mammogram, but that's just how I feel. Yes. Um, You know?
0: Yep, yep those those are our opinions, and, and we're putting information out here. <laughs> so, yeah. g- given all of this, though, why do you think mammograms are still being used so much by the medical establishment, and they're not shifting over to something like a thermogram?
3: You want to know my
0: honest opinion? <laughs> honest opinion, go ahead.
3: I know uh, it's I think it's it a controversy. with question. money. Yeah. Okay. Because there really is no reason. Medicare used to pay for thermography up through the 70s. They stopped when mammograms became popular. Oh. That's it. So there is more history in thermography than there is in mammograms for sure. Now, they, yes. you know, your doctors will tell you that there isn't, there isn't this paper, that paper, whatever. There's lots of stuff written. There's over 800 white papers that are written on thermography and its efficacy. Yes. You know, But where, the, where there's somebody that doesn't want you to win they will always come up with a reason for you to fail. Right. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that honest assessment of the situation. And I think when it comes to many things which aren't serving us as well as they could be with either our food system or our healthcare system, follow the money. (laughs) That usually will, that's, that's usually the root of what's going on. And so it's very important to, educate yourself and become informed and ask questions and make your own decision because you may be driven in one way or the other by the establishment because somebody has a big financial stake is is sort of the bottom of it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you very much for that. And let's get ready now for our next break. But before we go, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor for today's show. Are you familiar with the Gut and Psychology Syndrome Nutrition Protocol? Get the book that Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride says everyone needs Monica Carrado's ebook, Meat Stock and Bone Broth Cooking Techniques for the Gut and Psychology Syndrome Diet. This book is available at That's SeleneRiverPress.com. That's S E L E N E RiverPress.com. Now let's get ready for that break. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Valhotra, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle Louisel board-certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, and functional medicine practitioner. And we've been talking a lot about the differences between mammograms and thermograms today so that you can educate yourself and make the decision that works for you. So stay tuned and we'll see you on the flip side.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening
4: to Voice America Health & Wellness. Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Maholtra and creator of Masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You, too, can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion.
2: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more.
1: Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle Liesel, board-certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, and functional medicine practitioner. And Dr. Michelle gave us some very interesting information in the previous segments about mammograms and thermograms. So let's move on now from early detection techniques to preventative lifestyles so that ideally the cancer can be avoided in the first place. And one thing that women need to avoid are chemicals called xenoestrogens, which lead to estrogen dominance. And so Dr. Michelle, let's explain what all of this terminology means right now, Um, because that was a lot in that one sentence. So can you explain what estrogen dominance is and why that's dangerous?
3: So, yes, estrogen dominance would be when your estrogen is out of proportion to the rest of your hormones and outside of specific ranges. And there are three different estrogens that a woman has. There's you know, estrogen one, two and three. And they all play a different role. Um, I think they've pretty much established that estrogen number two, estradiol, is one of the most powerful estrogens, and usually, the estrogen that is causing a problem with regards to cancer. Um, So, one would say, okay, uh, well then, how do my hormones get out of balance? Well, there's lots of different ways that hormones get out of balance. It could be just the fluctuations from a woman aging and going through, you know, perimenopause and menopause, and And all those different things that, you know, take its toll on your life, but then bring into the mix all of the things that we come into contact with, um, on a day to day basis, which have what we call estrogen mimicking effects. And those are called xenoestrogens, um, and, and meaning, you know, synthetic, right? Mm. And so these are, um, these are synthetic man-made chemicals that reside in many different types of things that actually mimic the natural estrogen in the body and then lead to causing hormone imbalance. And they can be found in many different commercial products and foods such as dairy, processed meats, plastics, chemicals, heavy metals, cosmetics, cooking vessels, um, you know, so many different things that people don't even think about. Even drinking water can be a part of it. So these xenoestrogens or these synthetic estrogens that mimic estrogen in our body, they actually block the receptor sites that our normal biological estrogen would normally take up on the cell site. So it makes it impossible for our biological estrogen to be where it really needs to be. Uh, the, the xenoestrogens are highly reactive in the body and they actually disrupt natural estrogen balance. Um, and, and they're toxic to our body and they can accumulate over time. And then if you're not excreting those metabolites out of your body, uh, so the breakdown of those estrogens, if they're kind of just swimming around, those estrogen metabolites eventually can cause cancer. Um, and so this is all very problematic for women and um, definitely is something that they need to have checked on a regular basis.
0: Okay. So basically having a lot of xenoestrogens within your body can lead to the development of a cancer. Now, how is how is that correlated? Like why would a hormone imbalance lead to development of a cancer? Like what what happens there?
3: Well, you have different types of cancers. And so specifically yeah. when you're looking at estrogen, you'd be looking at estrogen-receptive cancers, right? Mm-hmm. Which a lot of breast cancers are, and a lot of times you don't even know that until you've done, you know, they've done extraction and biopsy and they've found out the root cause of how it developed. Um, But, you know, it's been through that process that they have learned that this is not good to have these estrogens out of balance.
0: Yes. Okay. So you had mentioned a list of sources of xenoestrogens. Can you spend another minute going through maybe what the top three or four of those might be? Are they like from cookware and cans? And like what What are the top things that women should be really aware of avoiding to not take in so many xenoestrogens?
3: I would say processed foods for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, anything or in or, or non organic, I guess is what I should say, not organic meats, chickens. Um, you know, because they're all pumped full of hormones. Yes. And those hormones, if you consume that type of food, is just going right into your body. And that's why we're seeing the, we're seeing younger and younger women going through puberty and having their periods at younger and younger ages and seeing breast cancer in younger, younger women. I think um, the youngest one that I've experienced was a 14 year old with metastasized breast cancer. Oh, my gosh. 14 yeah. years old. Yeah. It's just
0: unreal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that we've talked about quite a bit on this show are the dangers of consuming factory farmed meat. Because again, with factory farming, it comes all down to the money, producing the most product for the smallest amount of money. And so what these operations will do is they will pump the animals full of typically antibiotics, because they're living in such disgusting conditions that they have to try to avoid um, them getting sick in some way. So they will pump them full of antibiotics. That's one thing that tends to be in a lot of factory farm meat. And the other thing, like you said, are hormones. And they do that so that they will grow faster and fatten up faster. So that's another shortcut. But like, like Dr. Michelle is saying, what you're doing when you're consuming that meat is you're consuming those hormones, just the same. So uh, yes, I was going to ask you that question about uh, the puberty. So what is, how, how many years has puberty gone down by? Like when was, when did girls typically hit puberty 50 years ago and, and how is it happening today?
3: I think 14 used to be about the mean age. And now I think it's down to 9, 10.
0: Wow. Less than 10 years old. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that right there should be a flare going up that something is terribly amiss because that's, that's years different. And that's, that's really a child at that point, uh, a nine or 10 year old. All right. So. What are so for a, an adult woman? What are some symptoms that she may experience if she actually does have estrogen dominance going on? What can people look out for?
3: Okay, and so some of these, you know, whether it be estrogen dominance or estrogen deficiency, these are not just only in or symptoms that are seen in one thing. They're usually, you know, with a lot of things, there's symptoms that are held by a lot of different deficiencies. But with that being said, decreased sex drive, irregular periods, bloating, water retention, lymphatic congestion, I already kind of touched on that with the rebounding, um, breast swelling and tenderness, mood swings and or depression or just other types of, you know, um, anxiety and things of that nature. Weight gain, cold hands and feet, headaches, osteoporosis.
0: Um, and I'm
3: sure there's a lot more, but that's a sampling of okay. some of the symptoms.
0: Okay. All right. So
3: if someone
0: thinks that they may be experiencing those, uh, is it fairly straightforward to be
3: tested for this? Oh, absolutely. I mean okay. and there's different ways to test. I kind of have my favorites, but you know, there's the reliable uh serum test, you go in for a blood draw. Um I don't use blood. Uh, you know, blood labs for hormones. Uh, 90% of estrogens in the serum are protein-bound and are not biologically active, making oh. them virtually undetectable. Um, so I just don't feel like it gives you the best picture. Okay. I happen to prefer saliva testing, uh, which is typically done over a 24-hour period. So you're, in effect, spitting into a tube with your own saliva, and you're doing um, collections throughout the day. So what I like about that is that we're very dynamic beings and our, est- you know, our estrogen or any type of hormone in our body and, and um, even uh, you know, neurotransmitters for your brain, they're all going up and down throughout the day. Your cortisol levels are fluctuating, your DHEA is fluctuating, everything's fluctuating. So at the end of the day, when you do a saliva test, I just feel it gives you a better representation of what is going on with you throughout a 24-hour period versus going in for a serum test you get a snippet of a point in time. And because we're very dynamic, our snippets, we, we change from, you know, five minutes to the next 10 minutes, from hour to hour, um, from day to day. I mean, we're different. That's because we're always changing. We're very dynamic. So yes. in that regard, I like the, the saliva test much better. Um, and also screening with thermography, while it does not measure uh, hormones, estrogens, or any of them for that matter, there are, different, there are significant patterns that are emitted on the chest wall or the breast tissue that will give us some insight as to whether or not the woman is experiencing uh, estrogen dominance. Mm-hmm. And it's not definitive by any means, but it's just another piece of information
0: Okay. Okay. So considering how prevalent uh, these estrogens are in our lives, especially if we're not careful, would you say that most women may have a touch of estrogen dominance? Is this something which is fairly common? In this day and age, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so fairly safe to say that uh, a lot of us may be experiencing this. So, something—if you are not feeling very good—to seriously consider being tested for. And Absolutely. does insurance? Yeah, does insurance typically cover these types of tests? Is this something that that's covered?
3: Yes, um, the the insurance companies cannot tell the difference between serum or saliva because the CPT coding um, are all the same for yeah the coatings that they use for for paying is is yes. it's all the same
0: yes yes okay all right okay that 's good that 's really good information. Um, the way you explain the difference between the two and that uh, you can choose one or the other, and that the saliva test may actually be a whole lot more informative. So something to keep in mind when you're talking to your doctor. Okay, so thank you, Dr. Michelle, for more great information. Now let's get ready to go for our final break. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle louis board-certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, and functional medicine practitioner. And she has given us so much great information up to this point about early detection methods like mammograms and thermograms, and also what to do to take care of your breast health. And we will continue talking about estrogen dominance on the other side of this break, and in particular, how to get back into hormonal balance. So see you in a few for our final segment.
1: What's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with
4: us on Twitter? You can find us at Voice America TRN. Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So, host Sandra Maholtra and creator of masterpieces, Noam Kostuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You, too, can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion.
2: GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified. And we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm here with Dr. Michelle Louisell, board-certified doctor of oriental medicine, thermographer, and functional medicine practitioner. And Dr. Michelle has given us such great information about breast health and the differences between mammograms and thermograms. And that's very important information to know so that you can make the choice That you're most comfortable with and not what you may be pushed to do one way or the other so knowledge is power as they say and we're trying to give you some power here and in the previous segment dr michelle explains the danger of estrogen dominance and what it is so dr michelle my question for you right now is If you are in a situation where you have estrogen dominance, how do you get back into a balanced situation with your hormones? What lifestyle choices can you make that help that?
3: Well, I think um, the very best way, if you really are uncertain, is to definitely um, align yourself with a practitioner that practices good, solid nutrition And I'm not talking about American dietetics. I'm talking about, you know, really solid nutrition can ascertain whether somebody's deficient in something or or needs some help in one way or the other. Yes. Beyond that, you know, uh, cleansing. I'm a big fan of kind of cleaning up the terrain. And I think that everybody should do it kind of like cleaning out your house really well twice a year. Mm. And uh And there's lots of different cleanses out there, and I'm not here to, you know, back one or the other. Um, Cleansing can be as simple as just eating vegetables, and that's all you eat for anywhere from 7 to 10 days. Hydrating really well, you know, making sure you're getting lots of good, colorful vegetables and you have to supplement along the way because you're going to be missing out on some things. You know, you need, you're going to have to take a really good, uh, well-formed amino acid supplement, something that's going to give you something to support your, your muscle structure and, and, and making sure you're not losing muscle mass. Um, but that's an excellent way to give your body just a break, you know? It's just yep. a break from breaking down really solid foods and, um, can go a long way to, uh, helping you clean up the terrain, as I say. Um, you know, beyond doing, like, food cleanses, there are box kit cleanses. I've used some of those as well. Um, there's homeopathics that you can use that will provide you whole body detoxification as well as break it down into certain sectors. Like, if you know that you have heavy metals, you might want to focus on doing a heavy metal cleanse. If you have, um, you know, some of the environmental toxins, you might want to look at that. Certainly, if you've been through... Um, a cancer diagnosis, and you've had radiation or chemotherapy. I'm I would be the first one to tell everybody that you need to seek out an, a homeopathic and get on um, a radiation tincture that will help you deliver that radiation out of your body because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just going to be free floating around. Um, you know. Secondly, you might find ways to reduce your stress: meditation, relaxation, yes. exercise deep inhalation, just oxygenating the body can go a long way to helping you clean up your terrain and helping your body function more effectively. Um, I'm also a big fan of using essential oils for lots of different things. I cook with them. I, you know, I use them to help me sleep sometimes, um, to help with digestive disruption. Um, You know, there's just a myriad of things that they can be used for. They're all natural and they're very, very potent. And there's lots of science behind them for people that kind of think that they're kind of quirky. Um, but we all have to remember that medicine as we know it today came from the plant world when it was first developed. Yes. So plants came first. We need to get back to basics and rely on the things that, you know, have a stronger um, affinity with our body instead of fighting against our own biome. Um, yes. Phytoestrogens which would be things like uh, genistein, which comes from soy. I'm not a big fan of soy, but um, it, that's the one that's been most uh, researched. And then lignans are from, like, flaxseed. Um, they can be found in other things as well. Um, but those phytoestrogens actually will take up the same receptor sites that the xenoestrogens are trying to buy for. They're not as strong as our own estrogens. So they're, they're not, you know, there to cause a problem as far as like estrogen dominance, but they, they will prohibit the, the toxic estrogens from taking up in our body.
0: Um,
3: so those are really good. And, uh, you know, some other things, increasing progesterone to offset, although, you know, most of the literature out there now is in favor of combining progesterone and est- estriol, which is the estrogen number three. Um, and and so doing some type of topical application of that from a natural source can also be beneficial. Again, I wouldn't wouldn't recommend for people to just go out and do that. I think you have to be working with somebody that understands what they're doing, that can look at your hormone panel and discern whether that would be beneficial for you to do that. Um, you know, there might be a need for testosterone. There might be a need for DHEA. There might be a need for vitamin D. Um, you know, there's a whole host of things that could come into play with regards to this. And then, of course, we need to eat as clean as we can and stay well hydrated because at the end, you know, of the day, when we're doing all these things to help our health, um... And you know, one of the things I tell my patients, because they always come in and they go like, well, I eat really healthy and I do this and I do that. And I always tell them, it doesn't matter what you're doing from the outside in if the inside's not working. Mm. So even though you've done all these great things, you've changed your lifestyle, you're making better choices, you're exercising, you're meditating. Those are all really great pieces of the puzzle, but it's not everything And if the inside's not working, if you're not absorbing your nutrients, if you're not, you know, going to the bathroom on a regular basis and eliminating the toxins out of your body, then pretty much all those great choices that you've made are really not doing much for you. That's right. So we need to focus on the inside first and then also make those choices or those things outside of the body.
0: Yes, completely agree. That's great advice. And I've had previous guests on the show talking about these things exactly. The guest last week was Michael Schwartz of Michael's naturopathic programs. He has a lot of detoxes and cleanses that he sells. Uh, We've talked a lot about stress reduction, getting out of that fight or flight mode, which is the sympathetic Mm -hmm. nervous system. Really a bad place to be. Uh, It's it's an important thing to have for short emergencies, that's why it's there. But to live in that state is a very dangerous because like you say, if you're in that fight or flight mode, you could be eating the finest organic food possible, your body will not be absorbing it, all of the nutrients that it could. So the stress reduction is not just a nice thing to do, it's a very important thing to do. And then yes, the food, the exercise, uh, Michael last week was talking about how a lot of these toxins are stored in fat. So if you're carrying around a lot of extra body weight, you're by definition carrying around a lot of extra toxins also. Yep. So, yep. A lot of important stuff in there. So thank you for those great recommendations. So where can our listeners find you on the web and social media?
3: Uh, C-I-M, so catindigomarywellness.com. Okay. Okay. All
0: right, good. So please, anyone, look up Dr. Michelle if you want to look into any of these things regarding your health. And you have a book as well that you've recommended about uh, hormone health. Can you let our listeners know what that is?
3: Well, it's it's not about hormone health so much as it is about uh, mammograms and just really educating yourself. So uh, it's called Mammography Screening, Truth, Lies, and Controversy. Mm -hmm. And it's written by Peter C. Gotch. And I'll spell his last name. It's G-O-T-Z-S-C-H-E.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So we just really uh, just touched the surface here regards to mammograms and thermograms. If anybody would really like to dive into this so that they can educate themselves some more, that sounds like a great book to do it with.
3: Yes, Absolutely. Okay.
0: So thank you, Dr. Michelle, for all this great information today. We really appreciated having you here and best of luck with everything that you do in helping and educating your patients about a better way.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And since it's the first Tuesday of the month, we'll feature the Abundance Cubed Group Coaching Program for Wellness Entrepreneurs. And our guest will be Noam Kastuki. Thanks again for stopping by today, everyone. Namaste.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit.